Grace and peace to you in Jesus Christ, our coming Savior. Our text for this evening is the second reading from Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'd invite you to have that handy throughout the message. And I'm going to begin my message this evening with a huge announcement. We are expecting. That's right, we are expecting. What did you think I was talking about? We are expecting, and this announcement is out of this world, literally. We are expecting what we just sang for the third time this Advent season. We are expecting to see visibly Jesus, the Son of God. Prepare yourselves for that. He's going to come low, descending out of the clouds, no longer in the form of a human, a humble servant. We just sang it in his dazzling body, robed in glorious majesty. With what rapture we will gaze upon his beautiful scars. Six alleluias. <laughs> that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of our response on that day. But it will be alleluias because it will be the day of our salvation. When Jesus descends out of those clouds, Luke tells us, lift up your heads because your salvation is drawing near. In one of my favorite verses about that moment, Malachi chapter 4 says this, We shall go out like calves released from the stall. And no, I won't show you what that looks like. But this is our announcement this evening. We are expecting... And Paul talks about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And he tells us this evening three things about us who are expecting. And yes, we will sing Alleluia. Because we, first of all, are expecting with certainty. The certainty that this will be our salvation. That won't be the case for everybody. That's Paul's very somber truth in the first part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You see, there are those then and now who are going through life and they're not saying, we are expecting. They are saying, all is well. Paul says, they're saying, we have peace, we have security. So while you and I are saying, come Lord Jesus, they are saying, who needs Jesus? The news that Jesus came as Savior, the news that Jesus is coming again as judge, they disregard it. 
they dismiss it as irrelevant. And then it's going to happen. Like a thief in the night. Lo, He comes in the clouds descending. And at that moment, all is well will turn into all is hell. Their peace and security, Paul says, will meet with sudden destruction. And while you and I are leaping like calves out of a stall, here's what Revelation 6 says will be their reaction. They will say to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us, cover us, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb who is seated on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of wrath has come. The day of wrath for them is a day of alleluia for us. While they're groaning, we are rejoicing. While they're hiding, we are leaping. Paul says to us in verses 4 and 5, it will be so different for us than for them on that day. It will be as different as darkness is from light. And so that begs the question, why? Why will it be different for us? What is it that makes the difference on that day? Do not play the Pharisee card, which says, Whew, thank God I'm not like those people. Do not play the comparison card. There is forever that temptation. To think that the difference on that day between us and them is that we are somehow morally superior to them. What is the difference? Romans 3 says there is no difference. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it begs the question, why? What will, what is different about us on this day that Paul calls the day of the Lord? Well, the difference is this. There was another day of the Lord, a great day of wrath. But on that day, the Lamb was not on the throne. The Lamb was on the cross. And the Lamb was not dispensing wrath. He was receiving wrath. All the wrath of God that our sins deserved. And that's what gives meaning to that line we sang. With what rapture we will gaze upon those glorious scars of our crucified but now coming Savior.
those scars from which his holy blood flowed, and that is our certainty. That is what makes the difference between us and them. Look at verse 9. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. We, because of Jesus, are expecting with certainty that we will obtain salvation. And if at any time in any of us there is uncertainty because of Satan's accusations or because of our own self-evaluations that say we're unworthy, hear this. Take Satan's accusations and take your self-evaluations and hold them up next to Christ's declarations. You are in Christ. God declares you to you that you are children of light and that you are not destined for wrath, but because of Jesus, His Son, you are destined for salvation. We are expecting with certainty, Christ-centered, cross-focused certainty, we will obtain salvation on that day. But the Apostle Paul is quick to add another descriptive word to our announcement, and this second word is tied to that part in the early states, verses of our reading where he says, when Jesus comes, it's going to be like a thief in the night. In other words, we are expecting, but we don't know the due date. So Paul adds another word. He says, we are expecting with certainty, but secondly, we are expecting with sobriety. Look at verse 6. Let us not sleep, let us keep awake and be sober. And it's there again in verse 8. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober. How do you hear that word in regard to our Christian walk? What does it mean to be a sober Christian? Well, it's not sober as in our English word that sometimes means being stern or somber. And it's not merely referring to sober as that when we don't misuse alcohol, although that is God's will. But here's the question. What would it take for you and for me to pass a spiritual sobriety test? Sober means to be spiritually mature. Spiritually mature so that we take God's Word seriously when He warns us about the suddenness of His second coming, when we take God's Word seriously, when He encourages us to be absolutely ready for that day, to live today and tomorrow and every day in the light of the last day. Read Jesus' sermons, just like that third reading we read this evening. Often and passionately, 
Jesus tells his disciples, be sober, watch, be ready all the time. So to be sober is to be spiritually mature. And we as Christians in these last days, look at how the world around us is living. And in our maturity, we say, not us. We're sober. We are people who are putting on the armor of Christ. We're pursuing the things of God, like loving our neighbor, obeying the commandments, feeding our faith, rejoicing in our salvation. So we are expecting with certainty, with sobriety, and thirdly, we are expecting in community. Look at verses 9 and 10. Since we are going to obtain salvation, since we are going to live with Jesus, and then look at the first word in verse 11, therefore, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Look at the nouns in, that, in those verses. It's all we, it's all us. Don't miss the importance of plural in these last days. In light of Jesus' second coming, we are expecting in community. Remember what God said on the sixth day of creation? It is not good for man to be alone. And he says it also in the last days of the world. It's not good for us to be alone. We need each other. Remaining faithful to the end is not a do-it-yourself project. It's not an assignment where you and I say, I got this. What do we call the lower level on our church building? The fellowship hall. That's an important word for us in these last days. Look around this church, you will not find any cubicles where we can be by ourselves. We gather in the fellowship hall. Why? For a potluck? Yeah, I vote for that. But something much more, something much deeper, and maybe it happens as we enjoy a potluck, but we come into this building to be connected, to experience community. God gave us each other because we need each other in these last days. The very fact that Paul says encourage and build up assumes what? There are times when we need to be encouraged and built up. So that you can encourage me when I need it. So you can look around at your brothers and sisters, your family here at St. John, and we're all going to need it. Because we have weaknesses and sadness. We have struggles and we get depressed and frustrated. And so we have a fellowship hall. We have this whole building as a fellowship hall so that we can walk together, 
and rejoice together and cry together and pray together and study together, walk together in community to encourage and build each other up for that day, that day of the Lord. And then we'll graduate from the fellowship hall to the new Jerusalem. <laughs> and then we're going to share. You know what we're going to share in? Watching each other leap like calves. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God that passes all of our human understanding Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Please rise.